You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe, alongside from the Washtenaw Citizen, Jake Martin. What up, Jake? Hey, what's up? I never say where I'm from. I'm from a Sports Talk 97.7 and also a KNO. There you go. It hey. is a Tuesday morning. Plenty to discuss. Of course, your calls, your texts. Always welcome at 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line. So, I think we were wrong. No. I think we made a mistake. Say it ain't so. I don't know if sports gambling should be legalized <laughs> for both of our sakes. I was talking to my wife yesterday, and uh, I I was like, okay, if, if I'm not able, if my buddy's not able to find a six and a half for LSU to bet on, you're cool if I, you know, bet this fall, right? You know, just every week I, I pick out the best lines and I, I try uh, to bet on them. She said, yeah, that's fine. No issue with me. As long as I get to spend as much money you lose. So, therefore, my losses would be yeah, double, yeah. Aaron. I'm starting to rethink this gambling thing. Starting to paint myself into a corner here. Well, why do you always have to look at it with a negative uh, viewpoint? Just think of all the winnings you would have, and you aren't going to lose That is much. true. I don't yeah. even know why I'm that worrying just pushes myself. more puts more pressure on you to make sure you have some good picks and some good bets. Yes, and puts more pressure on me to you know invite more sports into my life. Yes. So maybe it is positive. Mm. Uh, plenty to discuss. Uh, we got a lot of different headlines. I don't know if you're going to wager. Well, you did want to wager on the game last night because I do remember you saying <laughs> you looked at that line with Cleveland and Boston as we left yesterday. You were like, you were like, uh, what was it, six and a half? Yeah. I, like, how I could they it. be favored by six you, and a half? You said that. I said it was because they just you know beat the crap out of them in game three. Yeah. But I still like those those odds huh. for the Celtics. Little did I know the Celts would miss, what, 10 to 12 easy layups. The Cavs would give them credit. They would shoot it well. And Tristan Thompson would continue to outplay Al Horford. That's what sticks out to me. Now, I had... In case you haven't heard, uh, Cleveland knocked off Boston last night, 111-102. We thought this series was perhaps done. It is not. It is now tied at two games apiece. And as Tommy Tharp likes to say, now Cleveland, of course, has all the momentum against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, so uh, I had a conversation that a buddy of mine was trying to warn me against this because, you know, I, I was very vocal about what I liked about the Celtics, what I didn't like about the Cavs, and why I thought the Celtics would win the series before the series even started. And my buddy was like, I get that. I hear all of that. But when the Celtics are bad, they are awful. He was right. He was so right. Because you saw it last night. Again, they were not able to get out the box. I mean, they were just – the first quarter was so lopsided that I sat there going, here we go again. Like, I'm tired of not being able to watch a competitive basketball game. And though they did fight back and get within, you know – eight or nine within certain points of the game, 
it still wasn't that close. Sad to say, though, that was the closest game we've gotten in the conference and fi- mm. the conference final for both the Western and the Eastern. I think that's LeBron's sixth fortieth point playoff performance. He now has twenty two thirty point playoff games and four forty point playoff games against the Celtics. Yeah, so it was the thing that sticks out to me really is Tristan Thompson. He has caught. He showed up. 13 points, 12 rebounds, along with uh, him playing some pretty good defense. Yeah, he's he's hustling, and he, he's getting those hustle plays. And it's, you know, he was so bad during the regular season, I didn't see this coming. So that has changed this a lot. And what did I tell you after the Celtics whooped up on the Cavs in the first two games? I said, Cavaliers' best chance is to go to – caveman ball is mm. to be big inside and they've done that and they've been very successful but that said i thought george hill really stepped up his game as well he's been hitting shots kyle corver kyle corver he even the play where he hustled it was late in the game and he was he went the length of the floor and dove for the ball and it ended up going off of a celtics player and so they got the ball back that was an extra possession that he created and I remember when that happened, the crowd went crazy, and Jeff Van Gundy said, I have goosebumps because it's plays like that that win you a championship. Mm. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go on and win a championship, but I'm just saying, you know, this is these are things that I didn't see coming. I didn't see these other Cavaliers stepping up like they have, so give them credit. And I also didn't see the Celtics being as bad as they have. It's The Celtics are – this is something my, my friend tried to warn me. It's almost like they have to have everything perfect. Like everything has to be – going well for them to be comfortable and execute offensively. If it's not, they don't really grit out points. You know what I'm saying? Like they there are some teams that can just score even if when things aren't going well, they can they can find ways to score and still win games. Celtics really aren't like that. And Jalen Brown wasn't himself early on. Uh Jason Tatum wasn't spectacular. Yeah, it was just one of those, another off night. So they have to return to Boston and get back to playing like they were in the first two games. LeBron's numbers for this series, 32 points. This is what he's averaging, nearly seven rebounds and nine assists on 54% shooting, include 39% from three-point range. And the reason why I haven't talked about LeBron very much is we know what he's going to give you. You know, I think that's the constant on both sides. It's what are what are the Celtics going to do, and what are the guys around LeBron going to do? That's that's it's still pretty crazy though. Yesterday I threw it out, set the over and under what forty two yeah, points. Yeah, and I like that's way you said too 43. high. Yeah, and he goes and gets forty four. Because and the thing is, like I'm not doubting LeBron could score that, but if if somebody sets an over under at forty three, I mean you have to take the under. Yeah. The, the probability is just there that it's going to be under, unless it's LeBron. Unless it's LeBron. Uh, the best story though, and. Uh, this came afterwards. So LeBron's there icing down his old body in the, the locker room, and he's FaceTiming his three-year-old daughter, and his daughter asked to talk to Kevin Love. So Love is standing right next to him. So James passes the phone over to Love so he can talk to his three-year-old uh, daughter, and uh, his daughter tells Kevin Love, you played a good game. And Love responds, I think you meant to say that to your dad. I don't know what game you were watching. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome yeah that's good stuff <laughs> so we got a tied series it's not you wanted some drama well it's not competitive on the floor but it's at least a competitive series, series. Yeah. 
It's got the potential to be a, a game seven. It doesn't make sense, man. Why is it like – I mean, you look at both series, 2-2 two, two and 2-1, and you would think, man, we're getting a treat. We're, this is this is great. This is a position you want to be in. And yet you hadn't had a competitive game yet. I wouldn't consider last night competitive. I mean, there were sections of the game that were close, but, I mean, for the most part, Cleveland controlled that game. Mm. And Boston made a few runs, but Cleveland was still in control and still seized the momentum when it needed to. So it's it's still disappointing for me. Mm. I'm still disappointed with with the actual uh, play on the court. Maybe we'll have one game that'll go down to the wire. You have to, right? I thought Simple. last night was going to be it. I thought the Celtics were going to end up tying it, and then we'd have a, a great you know cu- last couple minutes, and then it just didn't happen. Mm. We have the Warriors and Rockets tonight. Yes, we do. <laughs> you can tell how thrilled I, I I came into these playoffs series pretty excited, yeah. you know, and I it just kind of sucked the life out of me. Because when you devote the, your night to it, you you sit down, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can't wait. This is what I've been waiting for all day, and it's a blowout. You're like, oh, why am I wasting my time? Season finale of The Voice, I think, is tonight. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good to know. If I need to channel flow, uh, Alvin Gentry uh, did meet with the media yesterday. We'll play a couple of those bites for you either later today or tomorrow. He was asked about Cousins. Basically, yes, we want Cousins to be a part of the franchise. He was also asked about closing the gap at gap with uh, Golden State, and he said, "Well, uh, I think there's a pretty substantial gap between Golden State and Houston." Also, I agree. Good point. Yeah. Also asked about Anthony Davis being, of course, uh, one of the three finals for the MVP. He said, yes, without a doubt, he deserves to be in the conversation. He said if you ask any general manager in this league or took a poll, uh, Anthony Davis would certainly be at the top of that list, too. He yeah. made one start a franchise. Yeah, absolutely. He'd have to be. Uh, we certainly look forward to some college baseball this week. we got postseason play. It includes later today LSU versus Mississippi State. So who are they going with? They going with Bush today? Yeah, going with Nick Bush. Last Which, time out though, he was pretty good, right? He saved their season, quote unquote. That's what Paul Maneri said against. Uh, I believe that was Bama. Yeah. Um, so I like the move to go with Bush because you know he's the freshest arm, and if you need to, you can pull Hess out of the pen, which hopefully he could return back to the wild thing. You know, get back to his old role of coming out of the pen. That he just always seem to be more comfortable doing that. Um, and it's all hands on deck because I think they need to win this game. If you're looking at it. Yeah, but you could also then turn around and have Hess if, against Florida if you're able to get by Mississippi State. No, well, I don't think they're going to beat Florida. <laughs> I think you just need to win one game. Uh, Luke Johnson for the Advocate does a great job. And he did a he wrote a story saying since 2008 only three teams that reached 15 SEC wins were left out of the tournament and they each had a worse RPI than LSU's 43 right now so LSU might have a better chance than we all think at the current moment with their 43 RPI mm. that said i still you still want to win at least one game so i think if you beat Mississippi State i think you're in Mississippi State's RPI is what twenty something, twenty seven, I think. You know they've they've been red hot. They just swept Florida, uh, so they they're a very good team right now. But yeah, you beat Mississippi State, and I think that kind of secures your postseason hopes. And you just take it at that. Nick Bush has made uh, three starts this year. The first was a two inning start against Southeastern Louisiana. The other two, he shut out South Carolina for five innings. And, of course, that big win against Alabama nine days ago when he just gave up 
one earned run. Of course, Louisiana Tech has made their way down to Biloxi. They continue to get ready for their Wednesday matchup versus Rice. Lane Burroughs will join us for his weekly visit at 8.30. Other news and headlines, in case you missed it, uh, the league owners will, owners will be meeting at the league meeting for the NFL on Wednesday. New Orleans in the running to get the 2024 Super Bowl. In fact, they are the only ones to make a bid for that game. Yeah, yeah, I, I can dig it. I can get down with another New Orleans Super Bowl. Let's hope the lights stay on, though. We got some more uh, headlines to go through, including Miles Brennan's dad talking about the quarterback controversy at LSU. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Paint Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Pretty good lineup today. Uh, old buddy Brett Hudson, of course, he will be covering LSU versus Mississippi State. He will give us a preview coming up at the bottom of the hour. Grambling baseball, their season has come to an end, but James Cooper will join us at 745. What he makes of the Tigers' season this year and what they need to do forward to get back into a regional for the first time since 2010. Guys, Cat and Gill will join us at 8 o'clock for his weekly visit. And uh, like I said, Louisiana Tech head coach Lane Burroughs at 830. We also are taking top 10 Thursday suggestions at 888-993-7762. Aaron, you and I both had good ideas, and we didn't write them down. <laughs> so, so we're back to the drawing board. I always think I have good ideas during the weekend, and then I fail to remember them on Monday. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. 888-993-7762. We'll get to a number of texts coming up after the break. You're listening to the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. A couple of good texts here. We always depend on the listeners for material. Quint wants to know, Clay Travis said this morning. Can we say Clay Travis in there? Clay <laughs> Travis said this morning that he had never boiled water. What is a common thing that you've never done? I've never eaten Spam. I have never eaten oysters. Ah, you're missing out. I so I've heard. Why but, is that? Well, I when I was very very young, I can remember going out to eat with the family, and my uncle was slurping, <laughs> and I mean slurping raw oysters, and I was like, nope, that's never going to be for me. You were scarred for life. I, I was like, yeah, I can go without trying that. Does your uncle know that? No, he, he did that to you. No, but I mean, it, he just. I think everybody in the restaurant was looking at him like, dude, <laughs> come on, and I'm just like, why? I'd never want to know what that's like. Is that like when you finish your cereal and you, you take the bowl and you kind of <laughs> yeah. put it up to your lips? Yes, yes. So that w that was, I guess that's the most common thing. I was thinking done. you were going to say you've never changed a tire. I don't think you have ever changed a tire. I've never, fortunately, I've never had to. Ooh. So I'm definitely getting a flat tire soon. Yes. Um, you think you can pull it off? Probably. I mean, I've I've been oh, told some how. Confidence here, right there. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been told how, but I'm sure I can figure it out. So I guess never change the oil in your vehicle. Either. I've never changed the diaper, but that oh, will change. Oh yes, soon. that's coming soon. Yeah. Nice. Yes. All right. Uh, Quint says Jeff Van Gundy also said Kyle Korver is one of the best shooters ever. He needs to brush up on his NBA history. Well, yeah. Yeah, I heard that too, and I kind of raised my eyebrows as well but then i thought back and he had a couple of great seasons a couple of seasons where he had i think he had the record right and then steph went and broke it if my memory serves correct but uh yeah i wouldn't call him one of the greatest shooters ever but he had certainly had some of the best seasons ever 
Ben says uh, Celtics miss Kyrie's ability to create. Agree Completely agree, yes. Continue to take ideas for Top 10 Thursday. Got one here, uh, Top 10 LSU football players in honor of Billy Cannon. We actually had that suggestion yesterday from someone else. Well, we kind of tried to do the Mount Rushmore, and it was tough. It is tough. I think it, I think it could be fun because it can go. LSU has a lot of really good players, but they don't have a lot of those players that everyone is consensus like, yeah, he, it's him, then him, then him, then him. You could ask, I think, several different LSU fans who the top five players are, and you could go all over the place. Now, I do think Billy Cannon should be number one on everyone's list just because the only Heisman Trophy right. winner. But after that, it's gets kind of crazy. Along those lines, uh, Louisiana Tech is doing a pretty cool thing this year uh, with the uh, anniversary of the 50th year of the Joe. They're asking for the 50 best players that played at Louisiana Tech. They got a poll. You can go to their website and vote. I think 32, 33 of them already been established as they're part of the all-century team. But now they have a long list of 17, 18 players that you can pick from to complete the 50-man roster. And it is there are some tough decisions to be made there. That is very cool. I, I like when schools do stuff like this during the summer when there's nothing really going on. So that can get the all the focus and attention of the people and the fans. And it's something to be excited about. You start going down memory lane, you start re, you know, reimagining, rethinking about some of these seasons that you, know, you don't really think about too often. And that can be fun for fans. All right, let's get to this story. How many times do we hear about a parent that is irate? And, of course, we bash these parents for, you know, stepping out there and saying things they shouldn't about their college uh, sons or daughters or even their high school kids. They're defending them, right? And, of course, they think their kids should be the starter, as you would obviously think. But there's this case, and there's a story now with uh, Miles Brennan, his father, uh, doing an interview about now the quarterback, controversy that will take place at LSU with Joe Burrow, of course, moving from Ohio State to LSU. So um, Miles Brennan's dad, Owen, spoke to the Sun-Herald about the big news that LSU was getting the quarterback from Ohio State, and he came across extremely strong. Uh, Owen said his son is good with where he is. I try not to read social media, but with these developments and the quarterback coming in, some people are losing their minds, Miles Brennan, dad said. I want people to know that emotionally it has not affected Miles at all. He's going to compete, and he feels very comfortable where, where his position is right now. I like it. Yes. I mean, what's not to like about that? That's the best thing he could have said, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then he goes on to say – Here's what I think. Yeah, I, think, I like this quote, though. I think Joe Burrow has three years and 15 pounds on miles. That's it. I don't think he has a huge upper hand. That's the best quote. That quote tells everyone that miles isn't worried about this. Miles is going to compete. And, yeah, J Joe Burrow might be have more physical attributes. And, yeah. Three years. He might have the experience factor. And he had Urban Meyer. <laughs> That's the big factor there. <laughs> But overall, I still like my son. I still like my son's chances to be able to play. Now, he goes on to says, I think he's in a very, very good position to compete for the starting job. I really do. That's just my opinion. If I thought the opposite, if they were bringing in Tom Brady or something, I'd say, hey, Miles, look. But I don't see him in that position. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's it's a good quote from a father where usually like you said a lot of times we'll see these fathers go off and 
you know, probably say something that would hurt well, their Jalen hurts his father, says, well, he'll transfer. He'll leave yeah. if he's not the starting quarterback. Exactly. That's a, I'm glad you called back to that. Um, so, yeah, this, is, this was a good quote. Now, what does this mean? Really nothing. When you get down to it, though, I think – I think Burrow is going to win this job. The more I, I, I sat down and watched the spring game. Oh, wow. I did. Look, I did. look at you go. Well, I just wanted to see what else she was getting because and and listen, it's a spring game. He had forever to yeah. throw. Yeah. He's not. That's not going to happen in a real game. So you can take everything with a grain of salt because, like I said, it's a spring game. But you compare that spring game performance to what we saw from LSU's quarterbacks in the spring, and really. That's about as much as we've seen from everyone in total. Miles played a little bit last year, but not enough to really sway it that much. So what the other quarterback from Ohio State look like? Or did you fast forward through that part? I did fast forward through that part. <laughs> I just wanted to watch him. But but uh if you if you compare all of you know, him with, with the performances that LSU had, he's he's way better. Yeah. He does the he he goes through his reads very well, but like I said, he was not pressured. Who is this, Mel Kuyper over here? No, I'm just saying, like, you can watch it and you can see that, but you can also acknowledge that it's not a real game. He's not actually in the pocket trying to evade defenders. So, you know, it's only so much. But, I mean, you could say the same about LSU. The 94-yard touchdown to Justin Jefferson, that was a sack. You know, and I think it was Narcisse through that. He gets credit for a touchdown. Really, that should have been a safety. Mm. So, you know, it is what it is, but you can only compare so much. That said, I think he has a higher ceiling than all three of the other guys. Uh -huh. All right, I want to follow away this quote right here. We need to take a snapshot of it and just keep it. Uh, Owen Brennan says, short of someone telling him, telling him that they guarantee to be the starting quarterback, he's going to be in a battle, I can tell you that. I have the utmost trust in Steve Ensminger, and I have more than enough trust and belief in Orgeron. I think it will be a fair battle. They're going to play the best quarterback. File that quote away. Utmost trust in Ensminger. He has belief in Orgeron. Okay. As for uh, Brennan getting ready, right now he's fishing 24 hours a day to recharge his battery, according to his dad. He's just refueling, but he will be ready to go back. Jonathan says, laugh out loud. I guess no Astros update today, but we are getting an Ohio <laughs> State spring game report. How did the Astros do last night? Oh, wait, they didn't play. They were off. Yeah, they're getting ready for a I big will series say, with the San Francisco. Houston is thirty and eighteen on the year. They uh, game tonight at seven ten. I will say, Quint tagged me in something on Facebook. Thank you, Quint. They are third in ESPN's power ranking behind the Red Sox and the Yankees. So, we're giving you the depth this morning. Uh, one other college football news and note. Well, actually, a couple of them. What do you make it? And you don't like this story, but uh, Jim Harbaugh is now making plans to take his. Michigan football team to South Africa in 2019. He's just taking them around the world. Yeah, I think I don't like it because of that first episode of All or Nothing where they go to Rome and and they, they spend so much time showing you what they do in Rome and I'm just like, I, I really don't care. Players aren't required to go on the trips, but the costs are covered if they choose to do so. The trips are being financed so far by a pair of Michigan donors. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. Uh, one more recruiting uh, tool for uh, Jim Harbaugh. And then if you didn't hear, uh, tough news is uh, Dr. Pepper is retiring Larry Culpepper from their commercials. Yeah, you upset me earlier. Yeah. You you said this and you asked me, who who else would you like to see be retired? Yeah. 
I said the guys from Sonic. That is outrageous. <laughs> Those guys are great. I think they are one of the best commercials on TV because, I mean, what was it, the, the, the whole commercial with the celebrities at Sonic and they're looking around and they see those and they're like, who, who are those guys? And somebody says, oh, they're just really good at eating here. That's funny, the man. The stick is worn out, man. Oh, man. Move on. Oh, man. Move on. Come on. Hey, I got one quick Mayfield quote All to right. read before we go. So uh, they asked Baker Mayfield about Josh Rosen's thoughts. We know how he said I think there were nine mistakes made, you know, me going 10th to the Arizona Cardinals. So Mayfield says, to each their own, the fact that he can say there's nine mistakes ahead of him, how's he going to compare himself to a running back and lineman and defensive players that were picked in front of him? There's no comparison. I think everybody ended up where they're supposed to be. I mean, I get it. I get the competitive nature. But you don't, you don't want to be scripted like that. Mm. Oh, wise Baker. Uh, so we end this segment as we started. Uh, Quinn asked, the one thing that we've never done that is a very common is quite, what is a common thing that you've never done? He's never eaten spam. And uh, obviously, Tim Whitman is back from uh, Vegas. He says, one thing you've never done that everyone else has done is gone to the softball championships in sulfur. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That was well good. played. Nice to see he's back. Yes. He didn't lose his sense of humor in Vegas. Maybe everything else. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll talk a little uh, college baseball. We look forward to the big matchup later today. Mississippi State versus LSU. Our old friend Brett Hudson joins us after the break. Welcome back to the show. Before we get to our next guest, a couple of zingers here, and we certainly need to include them uh, on the uh, Stuart Shelby text line, 888-993-7762. Russell says, why doesn't Michigan try to focus on a trip to the college playoffs? That's a, that's a good point, Russell. Nice. And then Terry, of course, he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, says the two morons from the Sonic commercial are the Scrooge of the human race and everything that is evil and wrong with the world. I, see, I disagree. I like those guys. You would like to hang out with those two guys? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I enjoy their commercials. I didn't go that far. Have a little breakfast burrito with them. <laughs> hang out in a car with them. A guy that is known to get a little salty and throw shade. His name is uh, Brett Hudson. He now works at the Columbia Dispatch. Before that, he did some time in this area. What up, Brett? How are you doing this morning, bud? <laughs> what? How are we disgracing the people from the Sonic commercial? Thank you, Brett. Well, it all started what? with, uh, did you hear Larry Culpepper got uh, fired, the, the Dr. Pepper guy? He will not be back. <laughs> yeah, I, I celebrated by streaking down the streets. It's a wonderful day for America. See, he wore he wore his act wore thin on you. Yeah, absolutely. But the Sonic guys haven't. Yeah. No, well, I mean, because the Sonic guys actually like say different things and do different stuff, whereas Larry, Larry Culpepper was like Groundhog Day. Right. You know. See. Mm-hmm. Must be a generational <laughs> thing. I don't know. <laughs> yes, let's point out Aaron's age as often as possible. I know he loves that. I was going to say, uh, maybe you're closer to my age than uh, Jake's, but no, that isn't even close. It's my bad. That's not even right. <laughs> All right, bud, let's talk some uh, college baseball. Uh, SEC, the powerful SEC baseball. Uh, uh, how good is this going to be with the, the number of quality teams playing? Who's going to win this thing? Oh, it, it's going to be awesome. Um, if forced to make a prediction on who's going to win it, give me, give me Arkansas. For reasons that I can't explain. I mean, it seems like a, a random team 
wins this tournament every year, I don't think it's going to be Florida. I mean, sure, they're going to have their entire pitching staff at their disposal, which they didn't have when they got swept by Mississippi State this weekend. Um, but just, just give me Arkansas. I mean, it seems like a total flyer wins these things every every year. So I'll, I'll take the Hogs. Why not? Are you trying to kiss up to Russell? Because you know that's going to get him fired up on this uh, Tuesday morning. Hey, man, uh, whatever it takes to get Russell fired up. I know y'all need some need some radio in May, you know? Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about Mississippi State. Of course, that's LSU's opponent uh, later today. It has been a interesting, I don't even know if that's the right word, uh, to describe sure. this season for them. If people haven't been paying attention, boy, have they turned things around. Yeah, so so they they were just flat out awful uh, for the first three weeks of the conference season. I think they left it with a two and seven record, um, and now they have swept Florida, they have swept Arkansas, and they took three of four against Ole Miss. So against teams that are currently in the top ten in Baseball America's uh, most recent poll, they're nine and one against everyone else. If I do some quick math here, they're what twenty two and twenty three. Something like that against everybody else in the nation. They're twenty-two and twenty-three, but against top ten teams, they're nine and one. That's that's how they are in the NCAA tournament right now because their RPI is as high as the twenties, maybe even higher because of that nine and one against top ten and and sweeping Florida last weekend being being the biggest of that since they're still number one in Baseball America after taking. Three L's in, in Starkville. They they kind of got here in a, in a weird way. They didn't really change up their pitching staff at all. It's still it's still the same guys. They kind of toyed around with the Sunday starting spot, but it's it's been the the same guys that it that you always expected it would be. Uh, they they've just been hitting better flat out. Some of that has been lineup changes. Uh, they put a new guy in right field, Elijah Maxime. They settled into a freshman Rowdy Jordan in left field. But, but honestly, it's just freshmen that have produced throughout this season. Uh, I mean, looking at the, uh, the games against top ten opponents, as I mentioned earlier with Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss, and Florida, the freshman first baseman Tanner Allen's hitting 375. The freshman left fielder Rowdy Jordan's hitting 357. Freshman third baseman Justin Foskey hitting 292. When, when you've got three freshmen that are in your lineup every single day, more or less, hitting like that against top 10 teams, you're, you're going to win some games late in the year, and that's, that's exactly what Mississippi State has done. Now, I see this stat on the website. In 21 of State's 31 wins so far, opponents have been held to four runs or less. So obviously they're getting some pretty good pitching in those victories. Yeah, they, they have. I mean, Ethan Small, the, the Saturday starter, has been awesome. Of course, LSU won't see him. Um, they'll, they'll see Connor Pilkington, who's been their Friday night ace for, for two years now. And it, it, it's funny about Connor. Uh, I actually said this yesterday. It, he's kind of regressed from what he was last year. I think he and everyone around him would, would admit that. But we're still talking about a guy that has regressed, quote-unquote regressed, to 87 strikeouts and 83 and two-thirds innings. We're, we're talking about a guy that regressed to getting two wins in the first three months of the se- of the season, despite averaging roughly three runs of run support per game from February to April, and he still found a way to get two wins in there. Um, he's he's just been awesome throughout the course of the year. He had a couple of rough outings on the road in in May. He kind of got back on the ship a little bit against Florida. Went six and a third, only gave up three runs and struck out seven. Um, but 
he's he's been the guy that is going to go in in this year's draft. He's probably not going to go in the first round like he was projected to at the end of last season. But I would imagine he's going to go somewhere in that third to fourth round range, and the money's going to be pretty good. So Mississippi State isn't going to see him for for a senior season, and LSU could very well see why. On Tuesday, he's he's going on short rest for the second week in a row. He just went from Friday to Thursday to pitch the series opener against Florida. Now he's going from Thursday to Tuesday. But what's different about Connor Pilkington from last year to this year is he really developed a changeup. Uh, last year. He was really a, a fastball breaking ball guy. He had the changeup. He threw it barely at all. Uh, but he went off to play with the USA Collegiate National Team. I'm sure he played with a couple LSU players there. Uh, and, and he really dedicated himself to working on the changeup. And that summer he came back as a true three, maybe even four-pitch guy. I mean, he, he can differentiate between a curveball and a slider when he really wants to. Most of the time he doesn't need to or have to i'd imagine that's something that could happen for him and in the minor leagues if whatever team drafts him tells him to do that but he's he's a true three-pitch guy now and 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 you've seen that in in some of his starts throughout the course of the year i mean he went he went to stretch in march where he threw 14 innings and struck out 25 guys gave up six hits in, in that stretch so he's clearly got the stuff to be dominant it's just a matter of if he can do so on the shortest rest he's seen probably in in his career as a starter, come to come later this afternoon. All right, after uh, starting what fourteen and fifteen on the year, two and seven in SEC play, and of course with this interim coach, uh, what uh, is it Gary Gary Henderson? Is that right? Gary Henderson. Uh, yep. Uh, so I guess he's making quite a case to keep this job full time. Yeah, I mean that that case can can certainly be made. Um, I, I personally don't think it's going to happen. Uh, every everything I've been hearing around the the university, uh, Gary Henderson's name has not come up as a legitimate candidate. But if you want to do it, this this would be the time, right? We're in we're in the postseason. You make a run to a super regional, you compete in that super regional, and and maybe things get interesting. Um, there's still some more prominent names out there that have that have been mentioned. Uh, the Louisville coach Dan McConnell, Dan McDonald, excuse me, has been mentioned a lot. He makes he makes sense because I believe he did a stint as an assistant coach at Ole Miss, so he's got the, the in-state ties there. Uh, obviously, the, the TCU coach, Jim Schlossnagel, it's going to be mentioned a lot, but he's, he's, he's one of those guys that gets mentioned a lot in, in pretty much every uh, coaching search. He's kind of like what Tom Herman was before he got the Texas job. He's just that kind of name that gets thrown out there constantly. Um, it's it's very it's a very wide open process to, to say the least because what what needs to be remembered here is the the athletic director John Cohen he's more of a coach than he is an athletic director at this point he still views the world through that kind of a, a spectrum so he's not going to interfere with a season that is very much alive and well given they just swept number one and and they're going to the NCAA tournament no doubt. Uh, so this isn't the kind of situation where you got an interim in place and your athletic director is kind of lurking in the shadows, getting his guy in before the season's over. That's not how, how John's going to work here. Plus, John and, and Gary go back a long ways. Gary was John's uh, pitching coach at Kentucky and took over at Kentucky as the head coach when John Cohen left Kentucky to take the head coaching job at Mississippi State about a decade ago. So there's – there's a lot of respect there, and for that reason, Gary's going to get a, a look at this head coaching job. And if, if Gary wants it, he can he can sure as hell win it in, in these next three weeks or so. 
All right, Brett, uh, what, the second year covering uh, SEC baseball, what impresses you the most about this league or something that might surprise all of us? Um, probably how easily these bullpen guys turn into starting pitchers very, very quickly. Because, uh, I mean, these, these guys, they, they kind of get used to these things, right? And, and uh, we, we're seeing it at Mississippi State uh, where – these guys start off as, as bullpen guys, and this is not an easy transition to make, to go from from bullpen to, to starting. And we actually saw the the antithesis of that here in, in this year's Mississippi State team with J.P. France. He was a starter for Tulane. He made the graduate transfer move to Mississippi State. They moved him to the bullpen for a myriad of reasons, and it took him a few weeks to adjust to that. But once he did, he became one of Mississippi State's most valued uh, bullpen pieces. And, and to see these young guys thrown into relief roles to start their career, kind of grow into starters, is, is a very interesting process to me, how they kind of add pitches and add stamina and work their way up to being not just serviceable starters but dominant starters in, in the SEC, much like Connor Pilkington has. He, he started off his career – as a freshman, as a as a reliever, actually got his first SEC start late in the year as a freshman. Uh, so that that entire process fascinates me. And these, these SEC coaching staffs are very good at doing it, and and these pitchers are, are very good at taking that adjustment uh, in on the fly. So that that's been really impressive to me. Which kind of just speaks to something else that's really impressive: the depth of the pitching staff in, in this conference. I mean, um, unless you're Mississippi State over the last two years, and you've been decimated by pitching injuries. You've got you've got guys ten deep that that are going to be playing professional baseball at, at some capacity, and I'm, I just don't think you have that top to bottom in any conference, any other conference. The Pac-12 might have it sometimes, the Big 12 might have it sometimes, but to have it top to bottom like that every single year is is really really difficult and very impressive. All right, Brett, here's the question. Uh, Mississippi State, are they one and done against LSU? I, I think they are just because Connor's going on short rest. That's, that's a total wild card. I don't know what to expect there. And we, we all know this. LSU needs this game like it needs oxygen, right? If, if Mississippi State loses this game, they're still in the NCAA tournament. There's, there's no doubt about that. They may not be a two-seed somewhere like they're currently projected to be, or maybe they're barely a two-seed somewhere, but they're still in. There's there's no doubt about that. LSU, if they lose this game, they go into Selection Monday really sweating it out. I personally think they'll probably get in, even if they lose this game, but they don't know that for sure, and, and nobody else does, really. So I, I would imagine that, that LSU throws everything they've got at this, whereas Mississippi State, even though they're swinging the hot bat, they probably won't be as motivated. So I, I go into this with the hunch that LSU will win, but it's it's funny. I hear from a lot of LSU people that kind of have the exact opposite thinking that, that I do. So I, I truly think it's going to be your your classic eight seed versus nine seed toss-up. It'll be, it'll be high-quality entertainment for sure. Mm. Brett Hudson, we certainly want to keep track of you. Where can we find you? Everything is on Twitter, at Brett underscore Hudson, B-R-E-T-T underscore Hudson. Uh, every, everything is there. If, uh, if you're interested in Mississippi State coverage, I'll bring it to you there. You don't have that old Twitter that involved 97.7 anymore? 
Hey, I have it. I just I just don't use it all that much anymore. <laughs> good. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Enjoy the Thanks, guys. Y'all's going. Uh, Brett Hudson for the Columbia Dispatch. Uh, real quickly, uh, big series, big game, of course, for LSU. Before they left for uh, Birmingham, Paul Maneri was asked about, you know, the success and the history of LSU and if he'll be pulling on some of that old magic this year. You know, when you have success at a place or against teams, you feel confident as you keep going forward, you know. So we're playing at a place where we've had a lot of success. We're playing a team that we've had a lot of success against. Um, that doesn't really mean anything tomorrow night. We've got to still go out and make the pitches and swing the bats and make the plays. And whoever plays better tomorrow night is going to end up winning the ball game. But it's a nice feeling to know that history tells you that you've played well in that particular ballpark. LSU was roughing it this week, Jake. I think they took a bus to Hoover. Yeah, I'm shocked that Brett thought Mississippi State was going to lose to LSU. I kind of think Should we tweet that out and just let all his Mississippi (laughs) State followers enjoy that? No, we don't want to put him on blast. But I'm just saying, you know, I I feel like Mississippi State's the team to beat in this one, the favorite team. I think some people would be shocked that you were picking against LSU. I guess so. (laughs) 888-993-7762. Coming up next. Coop, James Cooper, joins us after the break. Welcome back to the show as we uh, wait for uh, Grambling head coach James Cooper to join us on the morning drive on Sports Talk 97.7. We continue to revisit a couple headlines on this Tuesday morning. Hey, this is really big news. Uh, How about the WWE and the the deal with Fox that came down or was officially announced yesterday? A a billion, with a B, let me stress that, a billion dollar deal. A billion-dollar deal to be on Big Fox, which should attract more people. On Friday nights? Is it Friday nights? I thought so. Well, that's not ideal, being on Friday night. But uh, What are you talking about? You don't want to be on Friday night. Start, start the weekend off right? Who's going to stay in to watch WWE? Well, some would say wrestling fans are staying in. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that. Sure did. Tabor's going to get offended by that. Uh, Tabor, this is a huge deal, right? I mean, a billion-dollar deal to get on Fox? It's a pretty big deal, you know, being back on network television. Yeah. It's definitely a big deal. I just don't like the, the night for them. I didn't realize it was Friday night. You don't want to be – that's, the, like, the last night. Or I think that and Saturday night are the worst nights to be on TV. Am I wrong? That's when most people go out and do stuff. I don't, were we on USA Network before? You go from USA Network to Fox? I don't care if you put it on whatever Sunday night. Afternoon. Yeah, yes. Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, USA is bigger than what you're giving it credit for, by the way. But I, I do think it's a big is deal. Is it bigger than True TV? Yes. Okay. Don't be ridiculous. Um, Mr. Robot? Come on. You ever watch Mr. Robot? Probably not because it's a thinker. You don't like to think when you watch television, do you? Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's a really big deal because uh, I think USA is keeping raw. So now you have two different shows on two different networks. So that invites real competition. Yeah. I think it will be good for everybody. A billion-dollar deal. It's hard to find faults in billion dollars. And listen, as much as people criticize uh, wrestling and the WWE, they're doing something right. Sure. Yeah, I mean, how, how can you disagree with that? Mm. But, um, you know, in, in looking at some other things, I wanted to mention that the John Arrett quarterback yeah. 
uh, Travis Mumphrey, who was very impressive. We got to see him against West Monroe. Um, I was surprised to see him commit to New Mexico. I kind of thought he was going to go somewhere bigger because you look at him and you go, man, this guy, somebody gets their hands on this guy and they could, they could do something with him. You know, he's pretty, pretty quick, but more impressively, I think he's got a strong arm and he looked pretty good throwing the ball down the field against West Monroe. How many times have you had that headline? Uh, a kid from Louisiana is committed to New Mexico. <laughs> Not often. <laughs> Not often. <laughs> Maybe he's just waiting for the offers to come in and New Mexico now will open the floodgates. Yeah, and we know how recruiting is, you know. I, that's why I try not to really get deep into it until you're like two or three months away from mm. signing day. That's when I really start to pay attention because mm. kids don't always stay true to their commit. Cole says, uh, wait till Jake has that baby. He'll be looking for something to pass the time on Friday night. Probably, probably so. <laughs> probably so. Yeah. Um, you know, in looking at some other news, we mentioned the Astros. They didn't play last night. They are third. I think that's that's uh, something to hang your hat on if you're Astros fans. The fact that the season has gone pretty well, and, you know, with a, with a great pitching staff that you do have. Um, we just mentioned LSU. The fact that I think it's you think it's a must win today. Would you classify it as a must win? I think they're going to get in no matter what. Just because of their name? Yes. Well. The history tells us that that's probably correct, but you don't want to flirt with that. And, again, I go back to I'm surprised that Brett picked against Mississippi State because you could argue they're the hottest team in the conference right now. You know, you look at what they did against Florida, and I understand they didn't. Florida didn't throw every arm that they had, and they were trying to to get healthy for this, for this postseason run. But he mentioned McNamee along with Tanner Allen and Jake Mangum, they all hit over 500. Wow. Over 500 in that weekend against a team that everyone says, yeah, that's the number one team in America. Because Florida not only had – Florida had the arms last year, but now they have a dangerous lineup to go with that those arms. So you're eyeing Florida, no matter who you are, you're going, Ugh, I don't really like our, our, our chances against them. They've been that good. This year, so to sweep Florida, I don't care if they had every arm or not, is impressive. Looking at the WarrenNolan.com uh, RPI this morning, Florida at number one, Georgia at number three, Arkansas at four, Ole Miss at number nine, Auburn at number twelve. So even if LSU loses today, and LSU sitting right now at forty fourth, even if they lose today to a team like Auburn that is twelfth in the RPI, they're probably going to go up even higher. Yeah, I think so. Um, I I think so, Aaron. I, I'm kind of done trying to predict these yeah, RPIs. Yeah, tough. It is tough. Just to put it in perspective, right now uh, the Cajuns are at 54th, and uh, the Bulldogs continue to drop. Even though they continue to win, they are at 59th with the 38 Dang. wins. Yeah, They dropped again. Uh, they dropped another. Yeah. I don't understand that, Aaron. I can understand not moving. After a sweep, I can understand being stagnant because it doesn't give you a whole lot. I don't understand dropping 10 spots. Mm -hmm. And then now, I guess it's 11 now, but that's ridiculous to me. And you look at Louisiana Tech, and, of course, Elaine Burles will join us at 830. I mean, they got a great shot. If they could win 40 games, that is a pretty spectacular season considering the number of players that they lost, 
a lot was anticipated and expected out of last year's squad. And then, of course, uh, for them to come back this year and to win 38 games and have the potential to win a lot more. Well, I'll tell you, this is exciting because we've talked all season, and I know it's been up and down, especially toward the latter part of the season, but for most of the season we've talked about how great this pitching staff is. How exciting is it that they now get to go out in a tournament, in a tournament, and they, with their backs against the wall, we all agree that they need to win this tournament to get in, and they get to show off all of these arms and rely on these arms. And not only that, but your lineup has matured throughout the season, I, I feel. You know, uh, you, you've gotten some really good production out of some younger players, and even the, the older players have stepped up in, in recent weeks. I mean, we just came off of a, a, a Dalton Skelton walk-off, you know. So – I think that's exciting to see if you're a tech fan going, all right, you know, they're counting us out. They're not making it, you know, very fair for us because we were in the top 50. We did our job and now we're right there at 60 mm-hmm. pretty much. So now we got to go out and we got to do it. And I think that's fun if you have the pitching staff to do it. It's not, they're not like most teams where, like LSU, for instance, man, if they win today, I think they'll have to use Nick Bush and Zach Kess. You got Hilliard. And then you've got what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That you can really feel confident about. That you can really go, yeah, I feel good about him throwing against Arkansas or whoever. No, you don't really have that. Tech, in the Conference USA tournament, you have that. You have that for several days. So I'm excited. I can't wait for them to get started tomorrow. Uh, Bob has a couple points here. He says that's the luxury of playing each other in the SEC. I think he's making the point. They build these gaudy yeah. out of nine conference records. Then they're so built up so high in the RPI. And then they just start playing one another, and you're not going to lose ground throughout the season. We it's, see it in, in pretty much every sport with the SEC. I mean, especially football. And then, of course, he also points out that Conference USA is really bad this year. That is a problem, of course, for Louisiana Tech. Sure, it is. I still don't understand how you can sweep and drop 11 places, though. Well, maybe when Old Dominion, and I'm trying to go down the RPI here, and uh, I'm through the 170s. I think they're somewhere around 200 or so. Yeah. I mm. uh, did have an, a lengthy conversation with Coach Federico yesterday as they were having exit meetings out there at Warhawk Field. He will join us for his, his weekly visit, the final one uh, this year tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Uh, he did mention just the Sun Belt Conference this year, and he thinks they have a legitimate chance to get three teams in the NCAA selection show or the regional. Yeah, it, they, they were, I thought, much better this year. It wasn't the, the usual case where you see ULL kind of run the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, spe- you think of teams in this conference, Troy. Yeah, Coastal right now uh, at 24, and uh, Troy's not Coastal, too, of course, yeah, yes. And Troy's not too far behind. Well, Troy's right now at 43, right ahead of LSU. And, of course, when we, we mentioned the Cajuns who are coming on strong, coming in at uh, 54. Yeah, so those three teams right there, I, I agree with with Coach Fed. You know, they, they've ULL got off to a rocky start, but they built some momentum down the stretch, and ultimately they proved me wrong when I picked ULM to break the streak. Uh, but yeah, that they're they're coming on strong toward the end, and Troy, look, Troy's a very impressive team, and we all know what Coastal's capable of. Uh, something must have obviously came up with uh, Coach Cooper. We'll try to grab, get a hold of him later in the week to kind of recap Grambling season. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Gus Cattengill joins us from down in the Big Easy. We'll talk a little Saints. We'll talk a little Pels. And what else is ever on his mind? The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. 
Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.